Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. Enjoying uh, this uh, fine Thursday. A back last night from from our friends in Marshfield. And I got to say, we had a a wonderful, wonderful time. Wonderful time last night. Uh, Thanks to everybody for coming out and uh, participating in the program. It, it was it was so much fun. We had such a good time, uh, and hopefully you did as well. But we had such a good time last night. So, uh, thanks to everybody uh, for coming out, saying hello. And I, I got to say, um, there was a gentleman named Mike Armbruster who came up to me and and uh, just wanted to tell me that his brother had written a book. His brother's John. Uh, it's called a book called Tailspin. It's about a I believe it's a World War II. Uh, gentleman, uh, he actually lives in Viroqua and, uh, I think he, uh, you know, lost his plane in the war and, uh, I, no parachute ended up surviving. And it's just a book about kind of, I think, believe it's his life. He just gave me the book yesterday. It's called tailspin by John Armbruster. And it's about a gentleman that lives, uh, lives or lived. I'm hopefully I'm not speaking, uh, ill, uh, of a gentleman that lives in, Viroqua. So uh, I'm looking forward to reading that. But Mike, thanks for coming out and thanks for uh, thanks for giving me the book. I'm looking forward to uh, to getting into that. It's called called Tailspin. And also, uh, there was a gentleman that came out. God, I want to say that his name was Mike, but if I if I screw this up, I apologize. But he's a veteran, and he came out and he made a nice donation to Fisher House, Wisconsin, as well. And uh, you know, just wanted to stop in and say hello. So uh, I love it when I get a chance to meet so many good people. And we did last night. Had a great time. So thanks so much. Thanks, thanks, thanks so much. Very much so. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, feel free. And uh, we always appreciate it when you do. And uh, we will, uh, at some point, and I know there's people emailing me saying that the live stream is not up. It's like, hey, I, I know, I get it, I'm sorry, but it's it's down right now. Uh, things went haywire today, technically, and I don't think we're going to get it fixed till the end of the show, just an FYI. Uh, coming up, bottom of the hour, we got our buddy Mike Renner is going to be joining us, and we'll talk with him. We got fantasy football with the charge today, so don't forget about that. Let's get to the phone calls. Let's talk to Brett listening to us in Shano. Brett, how you doing today, man? What's going on? Hey, good. Hey, um, well, to answer your question with the, the must win, I would just say that, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see some small wins, even if that's first downs in the first half touchdowns uh you know field goals um to answer that question but hey i just had a quick question comment sure. and i'll hang up and listen is um was aaron Rodgers, you know that good to where you know when we were going 13 and 3 12 and 4 you know did he essentially solely get uh you know what's his name the job in denver um you know Eberflus the job in chicago um because you've seen those two jobs you know turn into dumpster fires essentially and now you're seeing the the same thing happened here. Um, how much did he really cover up for um, for that kind of coaching staff? Because you've seen him take those, um, you know, that that play calling and all that to those different three sure. uh, spots. Um, and uh, just want to hear your your comments on that. Did, did he cover up that much to where you're seeing uh, the same thing here now? Yeah, uh, Thanks, Bill. great question. Appreciate it, man. Um, let Let me say this. I'll take it a step further. He actually made the line. A lot better too. Remember when Aaron Rodgers would come to the line of scrimmage, he also knew all the blocking schemes. When he would come to the line of scrimmage, he knew all the blocking schemes. So he would, in essence, call out signals as well for guys who to block and such and what was coming. 
So I think also what and now don't get me wrong because the offensive line is not bad. It it's been a little inconsistent in the run game and when it comes to penalties, but it's not bad. They're one of the better pass blocking offensive lines in the National Football League. But he also made the line better too, with uh, the sense of pressure and the ability to know where the where the heat was coming. Uh, but he yes, to answer your question, I think he made a lot of people look really good. As we he get lot, farther yeah. away from Aaron Rodgers, Bill, I, you know, he was great at extending plays and his arm talent is as good as anyone. But I, I think something that I'll remember most about Aaron Rodgers is he would not let his team be bad. They could have injuries. Right. They could be young. They could have a, a weakness at coaching. Like he was a one man army in and of it. Like Drew Brees' teams would go seven and nine. Rodgers, the, the floor, even with the worst Packers teams, was always 10 and six. He was so good at it. And I don't think right. we appreciated that at the time. Yeah, it, uh, he has made a lot of people money and made them look good and given them careers. So I, I, I mean, it's not deniable at this point. I mean, you, you, you gotta, you gotta give him credit because there was success here when he was here and there hasn't been since now, again, there's a lot that's gone into that. You know, obviously when Aaron Rodgers for the most part, was here. He still had his go-to guys in Lazard and Cobb, and no wonder he wanted to keep those guys around. You know, I mean, he had some reliable hands, and there's something to be said for that. But yeah, I I, I would agree. He he's made people he's made people money. Let's put it that way. And I don't know how much of a percentage that it's on Rodgers versus the coaching. I mean, there's a reason he likes Nathaniel Hackett. There's a reason he liked Tom Clements. Right. So those guys were able to relate to him on some level that helped him study and or learn or, you know, bounce ideas and, you know, articulate ideas off of one another. I, he there was something about that connection. So I, I, you don't dismiss it and say, well, it was all Aaron Rodgers. But you certainly, you know, when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback sitting in your uh, sitting in your stable, it makes everybody look better. I, I would not deny that at all. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. But I, I really think going back to the line issue, I also think that the offensive line um, and the way they are because we we sat here towards the beginning of the season when they didn't look good, and we said, "What the what the hell? Why did this thing just fall apart?" Because of David Bakhtiari, and then you kind of kind of dawns on you, "Oh yeah, uh, the guy that's calling all the blocking schemes, that knew everything, that understood every job on the offensive line, and every job as a wide receiver, and every job as a tight end and running back." He under he knew it all. That guy's no more. So now each guy is left to their own devices, and Aaron Rodgers is not there to help them see maybe certain things in a certain way, which is a very good point. Uh, let's go to Gerard listening to us in Delaware. Gerard, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, Bill. Good. Thank you. Um, I was, you know, when that happened with Douglas, I – you know, sent it out to a lot of the Packer writers right away, and in my opinion, that it was back to the 70s and 80s because this is what they used to do. If you don't keep your mouth shut, we'll send you out of here. That's what mm-hmm. they used to do. So that's what reminded me of this. Now, as far as the thing with love is concerned, you have to look at it. He was there four years. He's not, in reality, a first-year quarterback. Now, you could say, okay, 
when you it's different than going into boot camp and then going into battle. We understand all that. You could you know we always compare war to football, right? We always compare the analogies and everything else. So so what I'm looking at the rest of the year is I'm looking at how love will improve, how the receivers will improve, and if they don't. If they don't, then it's got to be on the coaching staff. It has to be on the coaching staff because, look, these guys can't be this dumb where you can't just be running certain patterns and knowing where you're supposed to be at the time. This is eight games in. So, therefore, they should know what the heck they're doing on the field by now. So, uh, one thing or the other, is, is the coaching staff putting these guys in the right position or not? And as far as I am concerned, I don't want them to beat the Rams. I, I don't want them to screw up a potential great player that they could end up getting in the top three or four picks. So I don't want them to win. And anybody who really wants them to win for some reason, you know, I have no idea why I am. No, I want to see improvement out of these guys, but I still don't want, I, they're not going to go anywhere, Bill. So it doesn't make sense to sit there and say, well, I want them to win the wrestling season or this or that. No, 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 no. So now what we're going to see, in my opinion, is guys that are they going to put any effort for the rest of the year? Now, there was one writer that just said, oh, Kenny Clark is having an all-pro year like he did a few years ago. He has four sacks, this and that, and everything else. I, I, does, does anybody watch the game? He might have four sacks or whatever, but is Kenny Clark close to the player he once was? Is, I don't see it. Does anybody does, – do you, do you see it? Does anybody see it? I don't see it. Right. And, they, and then they throw out these stats, stats there with Wyatt, and I hope all, he improves and everything, and that he's this, he's rated this high in defensive linemen and everything else. But these guys have a tendency to disappear for games. And I right. don't, you know, really, I, 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 this, is really, this is really disturbing. So you go into next year, you need a corner, you need two safeties, you need, you, you know, uh, that's just on defense. So here you're going back to defense again where you're going to have to draft high those players. Never mind you're going to need a tackle. Never mind you're going to need a veteran receiver. Never mind you're going to need a running back next year. You're going to need all this stuff. So we're going to recycling again. We're doing the same thing over and over again, re-putting, refilling positions that should have been filled already. So this is – No, I, I would agree. When you look at – you know, when you look at whose fault this is, Bill, you have to look at everybody. Everybody. Yep. So when it's everybody, what do you do? You get you can't you can't get rid of all your players, so you gotta get rid of the coaching staff. I have no faith in this guy. None. Zero. I have no faith in LaFleur. None. And Go- and Goody's starting to bother me now. I liked him. I thought he was a decent GM and next year he's gonna have some money. So, therefore, we'll see who he signs because he's pretty good at that when he had the money. Right. So, you know, like I said, it's disturbing, though. It really is disturbing, up and down, what they did to Douglas and everything else. So Yeah, what uh, what's going on right now and, and where they're trying to find I – mean, and I agree that it's an evaluation process, but, uh, you know, at first it was, well, it's Joe Barry. And then it was give it time for the offense. And then the offense hasn't really progressed. And then you start to scratch your head and go, okay, is it the injuries? Are, you know, are there other problems? Okay. And then you start to look at it and go, okay, are we just – because remember, what was it, like two weeks ago we started to evaluate the talent and ask, okay, where are the playmakers? Where are the guys that are going to step up and lead this That's team? Right. And that wasn't happening. And, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. It's – I don't know – and I know, I know people are now starting to look up towards the office and say, well, maybe it's Goody. And I understand that. 
But I, and, and then the next question, like you said, is do you trust it to find the next? Because he's been successful with some of the pickups that he's had. The, the Smith brothers, obviously, right. Devondre Campbell when he came in. I mean, he's been good in that area. But do you trust right. it to then not only fortify the team via free agency, but let's just say you stockpile all these draft choices. Again, like Mike Clemens alluded to yesterday, there's 13 guys in this team, 13 draft choices. And you're other than a guy like Luke Musgrave, what are you getting? Nothing. You know, you, you know Bill, Who, you, there's more, nothing there. You know, one more thing, Bill, if I can say, what you said about the Packers, the young guys that are scared to offend the Packers, it was so funny. I was watching these podcasts on YouTube, and it was the same thing, exactly what you said. Because they're looking to get a job with the Packers. That's why they don't want to go up and, and seem that they want to offend them. So now we're getting writers who are being you know, disingenuous because in the future they want a job with the Packers. Yeah, and I saw one of them actually trying to defend themselves on Twitter. And, okay, look, they said, hey, we don't have enough cameras. We don't have enough this. We don't have enough that. But, you know, it, we, we see a damn near everything else. And this wasn't brought up. I'm not in that locker room, so I don't see it. This wasn't brought up by me. This was stated by others. Mike brought it up, and he said others have noticed it. And now yep. all of a sudden, now they're pack peddling, going, well, wait a minute. That's not what we're doing. We're not just spying on it. And that's fine. Okay, maybe they're yep. not. But it, it's the coincidences – you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, you can't build the case to say, hey, I actually saw that guy kill that guy. But you got enough circumstantial evidence at this point to start going, hmm, I'm starting to formulate an opinion on this. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they, you see, it, it goes back to, you see, Mike's a veteran in this, Mike Clements. He, he's, you know, he's a veteran. These guys are, are, are doing that because they think that's going to get them a job with the Packers, in my opinion. And that doesn't get you anywhere. That just gets you, well, I don't trust this guy. I don't care about him. He doesn't tell me anything I don't know. When I hear a guy like when Mike said and a couple other things that he said, I'm listening because he's telling me things that I don't know. And that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear things that I know and I could see. I want to th know things that I can't see and I, I don't know. That's the whole thing behind it, being a fan. 100% agree. So, you know, that's agree. the way they look at it, you know. So kudos to Mike for breaking that news and telling everybody and the whole bit. But the old fans, see, they probably want us to all go, go away, all the people that seen the whole 70s and 80s, because now we can turn things back and relate to what's going on today to what went on back then. And I, you know what I mean? And a friend of yours, Gary Ellison, I even, you know, wrote him and told him, do you remember this stuff when it used to go on back in the day? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. No, nope, so, I completely well, agree, you, man. Bill, I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. There you go. That's our buddy Gerard. We got more phone calls to get to when we come back. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Good to have you. Talking to Packers football. I think now Gerard is like, look, I don't want him to win. 
I want them to just I want to see this season go down. If if you don't want them to win, then can you get upset? If they don't, you know what I mean? That's uh that that's that's legit. Um but I I guess if you don't want them to win, then you're pretty much on the fast track for you're hoping anyway that you're on the fast track for one of the top draft choices, but what are you going after? What are you going after? Are you are you going after are you going after a quarterback? Are you going after a wide receiver? Are you going after a left tackle? Are you I mean what are you going after? You know, what's the plan that's in place? So I that's the other thing is, you know, it's it's great to say, hey, you have one of the top draft choices because it should pretty much guarantee you that you, whoever you choose in the top three, five, whatever, that you have yourself a really quality player. But who are you going after? 877-867-1670, Um. Let's do this. Let's go to Court, listening to us in Whitewater. Court, how are you doing today, man? What's going on? Hey, Eunice, thanks for taking my call. Uh, you bet. comment here for a couple of comments. Uh, you know, you got to have a win. you gotta, you got to create a winning culture in the locker room. The young kids need a, need a victory to hang their hat on and feel good about something. So, yes, winning is always important. A couple things uh, I want to say is, one, kind of more of jokingly saying, what was Goody thinking the other day, trading Rasul Douglas for a third-round pick? Doesn't he realize he has no idea how to draft in the third round? That's the worst thing he could have done. And then also, um, if they're bad, and let's say they continue to be bad, and you're there with maybe a top three, top four pick, you're just alluding to this, do you trust Goody and is Lafleur, especially if you're going to go for a quarterback? I don't think you can have these two guys come back because if you're picking a quarterback in that top three or four uh, picks, that's a franchise quarterback that you're picking, and I don't think these guys – deserve a shot to coach or to GM that, that pick. That's just it. Uh, you know, I mean, how far do you trust the guys that are currently in place? It's, it's kind of like saying, okay, uh, we're going to fire your coordinators, but keeping the head coach, how much do you trust the head coach? Is the, is it, is that going to fix the problem? The same thing with the, the guy that's chosen all this talent and assembled all of this to this point. Is he the guy to fix the problem? And you, you yeah, certainly I, hope I you got to have a lot of faith, and I understand all of that. But I, I mean, at this point in time, with because we all know the bottom line is it's a quarterback-driven league. You you need a quarterback that's going to get you to the promised land. And then what you need to do if he's not the guy, he's got to be average to above average, and then you got to have just one stellar knock you in the mouth defense, then to back that up. That's the way you're going to win in the National Football League. So that's when you have to start looking at the evaluation process with all the picks they've had defensively. This defense is still middle of the pack. I, I agree with you, Bill. And the other thing that really bothers me is, and I keep hearing everybody say they're young, they're young, they're young, but there is no discipline on this team with these penalties. And that adds, that's a reflection of the coach. The coach has got to get these guys on the same page and get them ready to play and stop making these stupid penalties that are killing them, shooting themselves in the foot. And that's why I, I don't know about LaFleur. I mean, the jury's still out for me. Like, like Gerard was saying, you know, he's not a big fan. I thought Goody was okay in the beginning, but I didn't like the Rasul Douglas trade. There's like, like you're talking, there's one guy in the locker room that really, really could be a leader, and it seemed like he had some rapport with our quarterback, and you ship him down the road because he opens his mouth. You know, that's, that's the bottom line. I, 
I'm just I'm confused of what's going on with this team right now. Yeah, that's uh, I appreciate the phone call. And again, when you say our focus is beating L.A., but also you get rid of a, uh, a you know, a veteran and one of your better defenders, it's 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 tough to look you in the eye. You know, now he's not going to say, hey, look, we don't care about L.A. We're trying to rebuild this team because nobody wants to hear that. Packers fans, it's obvious it's 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 sitting right there in front of you. And it's kind of like a magic trick. You're being told that, no, no, we're not rebuilding. We're trying to do this. And I believe, look, I'm, I'm a big believer this team is not rebuilding. When you go through all the guys they have, and I've said this a million times, and I'm probably boring the hell out of you, but this whole thing about, well, we're so young. We're so young. We're so young. Well, you got young because you got rid of old. You got rid of just old dudes, older experience, okay? You're young because you, uh, of, of extricating people, not because you had an infusion of 20 to 30 draft choices, right? So you are younger, but you're not younger because of drafting a bunch of dudes, a bunch of new guys that have never played the NFL before. And really, when I talked about this yesterday, and the stark reality is you've got two guys, really three if you use Tucker Craft in this, but as far as starters go, you have Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave as new guys. That's it. Your quarterback's been in this system now going on four into four years. And you have an inexperienced quarterback and very little experience when it comes to Christian Watson. Romeo Dobbs, he, he was a go-to guy. Him and Samari Torrey at times last year with Aaron Rodgers. So you had that. So the whole thing of youth, when you know, and even Jordan Love alluded to that yesterday in his presser. You know, I don't know, well, we're young and it's a, it's a growing process and we're, we're young. And I'm like, well, wait a minute even he's saying, well, we're young. I, I just, I, I, that whole thing of youth is just, it's starting to really bother. To be, to be honest, it's starting to really piss me off. For lack of a better term. It just is. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Uh, let's go to Terry listening to us in Wausau. Terry, how you doing today, man? What's going on? Hey, Bill, I'm doing good. And uh, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. You bet. Uh, I just want to make the point that I'm well, I'm a season ticket holder. I'm a Packers season ticket holder. I've been going to games since the seventies and I was at the uh, I was at the Vikings game and it just kinda of confirmed what, what my thoughts have been throughout this year and it's looking more and more like coaching is is getting is a serious issue and I'll tell you why, because I think a team takes on a coach's persona, their personality and as an example, if you look at Dan Campbell in Detroit, um, he turned that he turned that franchise around. I mean, they 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 he inspired those guys. And I'm not sure we have that. And you look at what we've got with Lafleur and with uh, Joe Barry, and I'm not sure these guys are inspiring anybody. And and the second point I want to make is I remember very well the years of Lindy and Fonte, and. The thing that my wife and I still joke about, it's a punchline with us, is Lindy would say after a loss, he'd say, hey, we were just a couple plays away from winning. And this is starting to look like Lindy and Fonte 2.0 to me. Yeah, and even, uh, what was it, uh, you know, Jordan Love and Rasul Douglas talked about that, that they're only a couple of plays away. And yeah. for a while you could look at it and go, okay, you know what, you're right. But when you make the same mistakes or have the same look, and those couple of plays every week don't get made. Now you've got no longer is it a couple of plays that we screwed up. Now it's like you got a pattern and you can't do it. You can't fix those couple of plays. And I think no, that's where we're at and, right now. It's starting to look that way. 
I came away from the Vikings game looking at the, that team and going, there's been no improvement from week to week. In fact, it seems to be going in reverse. And I, I have a hard time hanging that on the players. Right. I get it, man. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. I remember the year that Mike McCarthy's team was leading the league in penalties. And we all talked about the individuals and all the problems and this and that. And it wasn't until Mike McCarthy and, you know, like, like I said, I, I don't, you know, dwell on that. I mean, even Mike Sherman had these issues. It really kind of strapped down on guys. You know, it started to, it, it was such an issue. And part of it, and Mike McCarthy was very frank. I, I remember doing an interview with him and I was asking him about that. I was going back to the penalty situation. He said, penalties are being unprepared. And not that Mike was some kind of deep philosopher, but he, he said penalties are being unprepared where you're either not prepared for the opponent that you're facing, for the guy across from you, or being unprepared means you're not working as hard in practice. You're, you're not, you know, you're going through the motions, which means you don't have the muscle memory or the quick step. Or If you're holding all the time, it's because it's a guy's getting around you. Either your technique is not good or, be, or a guy's getting around you. You can't hold your block, so you hold. False start penalties, that's, that's mental. Sometimes it's the crowd noise, cadence, whatever. The, understood, it's going to happen. But when it continually happens, that's mental. That's mental. That's when guys have kind of started to mentally kind of go away. And I remember him telling me, I said, well, how do you fix that? And he, he kind of looked at me and he smiled and he says, you get in their ass. You, you got to crack a whip and do something different to shock them back into focus. And that may be where we're at with Matt LaFleur. Something, and I don't know. I, I, I've never seen Matt LaFleur explode behind closed doors and do they, they revere the head coach. I don't want to say fear because fear you don't want to lead by fear. Do they revere, do they respect the head coach when he comes in and he just looks him in the eye? Do they revere? And I don't know. I don't know. But I remember Mike telling me that you got you to gotta get in their ass. You got to crack the whip a little bit. 877-867-1670. When we come back, Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus, going to join us. Coming up next on the Bill. Ready. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. back the bill michaels show we continue on this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at skipper buds and uh, if you don't have your boat stored yet uh well maybe you're thinking about it take it over to skipper buds they still have a little bit of room left so if you want to do that you can also don't forget that uh, they still have some of the new boats from this past season that are in stock and they've got a b- bunch that have been traded in and the 2024s are coming in. So if you're thinking about maybe picking up something uh, for next season, now's the time to do it. It's when they're looking for space, looking to make room, and they're looking to remove inventory. So now's the time to do it. Get a hold of our buddy Todd out there at Skipper Buds. Skipper Buds in Pewaukee. Uh, just check him out. And Todd is the guy to go to. Todd's a, Todd, Ryan's the guy in service, but Todd's the guy to go to at the, as the GM. 
and he can help you out with everything, everything out there, Skipper Buds. Uh, let's bring him in now, Mike Renner, joining us uh, on the hotline. You can find him on uh, Twitter at Mike Renner and also the NFL Draft Analyst from the Messenger and the Locked On Network as well. has his own podcast out. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me back on. Well, it appears that the uh, Green Bay Packers are in a collision course with one of the top maybe five draft choices, unfortunately. So let's start there because the evaluation process for Jordan Love is with each game starting to dwindle away because of the ineptitude of the offense and the fact that they're in third and long situations all the time. They haven't been able to sustain drives. Give me your assessment first and foremost of what you've seen out of not just Jordan Love, but the offense in general. I mean, the, I don't have to tell you guys the offense has been pretty abysmal. We're watching it on tape. It, it's just, there's no, there's no one creating plays, right? There, there's no one going above and beyond what's kind of right there in front of them in terms of what's schemed up. And honestly, I think Love's been, in my opinion, one of the most encouraging parts of the offense this year. I, I think there's a lot of things to like about, you know, his pocket presence, uh, his arm talent, his ability to create outside of structure. I, I like, I've been encouraged by things, but the, when I'm watching the tape, when I flip it on, the thing that worries me is these receivers. And I get that they're first and second year guys and that this was kind of always going to be a process. But the more you dig into the numbers, the more it's just like, I'm not sure this is it. They have the fewest broken tackles after the catch of any receiving group in the NFL. They have uh, the most, the second highest drop rate of any receiving group in the NFL. They have the lowest contested catch rate of any receiving group in the NFL. Like they, these guys just aren't good, unfortunately, right now. And maybe they'll get better. That's what you're banking on. But right. with what we've seen around the NFL, like receivers usually or have been hitting the ground running. Like it's because the guys are playing so much more passing him at lower levels of football. Like receivers come to the NFL ready now. So the fact that these guys aren't really in year one and year two, you should be worried. Like you should really take notice of that and say, hey, maybe we still need to address this position. How do you look at the talent that they – because, I, I mean, a guy like Luke Musgrave I really like. I think he just has to become a little more polished, and the same with Tucker Kraft. But Jaden Reed looked really good in camp, and while he has showed up at times, he hasn't been consistent. And obviously, the rest of the guys that you just mentioned with Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, uh, Samari Torre, even Malik Heath to a certain extent – all these guys, they're it just is they're not connecting. And even and now, don't get me wrong, throwing downfield is not the forte of this quarterback. But when you see things, is it just a matter of guys aren't in the right place at the right time to make a play, or is it they don't have the wherewithal to go after the football and actually make a play to say no, the football's mine, not yours? What do you see out of the receivers? Because if you say, look, it's really not Jordan Love, then what specifically is it? Well, I think they drafted, I mean, they drafted a bunch of guys. Well, it's two guys specifically, Luke Musgrave and Christian Watson, who were just like projects coming out. They, they were not polished wide receivers. They had high drop rates in college. They weren't great at the catch point. Like those are things that, uh, you know, either take time or you never quite figure them out entirely. Like it's a big part of playing wide receiver is just that savvy, that feel uh, for the position. And those guys, you swatch them on tape and they still, you know, aren't sitting down in the right spots in zone coverages aren't, uh, you know, on the same page with a quarterback too many times. And so that's the worrisome thing is that like, you know, these guys are super athletic, super talented. And like you said, like they can get down the football field, but then the times they do love isn't hitting them because he's inconsistent with his accuracy. And then the times they don't, when they're doing stuff underneath, uh, they just aren't quite on the same page. They just don't have that feel for the positions just yet. So yeah, you can like, you know, give them time to develop. I'm not saying like cut these guys, but also, I do think you have to just say, like, with this group as it's in, as it's kind of assembled right now, 
they're just going to be inconsistent for a, a good time, you know, before these guys start to figure it out, if they ever figure it out, the problem. So uh, now you start to move forward and you say, okay, if you don't think that you have the guys and they've invested quite a bit into these guys, do you then go out and maybe find a veteran wide receiver to help to kind of guide them? Or do you just say, you know what, we got to keep drafting. I think you do both. I think you have to do both because, you know, that's one of the underrated things about the receiving group is that there's just, there's not a single voice in that room saying, Hey, here's what you're supposed to do on X, Y, Z play. Like there's no one being able to coach up anyone else. Like when they do something wrong, everyone's just kind of blank slating it with, uh, you know, no, you have to go to your wide receiver coach to get uh, any feedback. You don't just get that immediate feedback from your teammates, unfortunately. So I think you have to get a veteran in that room who's seen, you know, the league knows, you know, who's very savvy for the position can kind of coach those young guys up. And then you just need a go-to guy. I mean, where they're going to end up in this draft, more likely than not, is going to be in the position where you can get those number one type of wide receivers. And I think this class has a number of them that would even fit like the Packers prototypes with the size of guys that they like. So I, I do think it's a twofold problem. And if you want to compete in today's NFL, you just look around the league. It's receivers, it's talent, it's guys who can make plays. You know, you can make Brock Purdy into a, into a good, you know, caliber starting NFL quarterback if you have enough talent around them. And I think that's where the Packers are just failing right now. That's exactly part of the point that we've been discussing is where is the impact players? Where are the guys that you can go to that can help develop along with you or help develop you as well? I, I completely agree with you. Uh, and we're talking, by the way, with Mike Renner. And it, so I, I now move on towards the draft. And if the Packers are going to be looking, say, top three, top five, top seven even, you know, do they go with – if you believe in Jordan Love, what do you do? Do you go with a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr.? Do you start to look for maybe a bigger offensive tackle, which is right now their left tackle position is open, so to speak? Do you do you go in a different direction? So, if they're, you know, if, if they're a top two pick, if they, if they really bottom out, I, I think you have to get on this quarterback class. It's just because if, if you go that badly, it means that Love was not working out. Well enough, and there's two guys at the top, and Caleb Williams and USC and Drake May from North Carolina. That I think you take no matter what if you're in those top two spots. But then after that, if you're in a position to take Marvin Harrison Jr., you take him. I think he's the best wide receiver prospect in in a decade at least since like Julio Jones and AJ Green were coming out. Maybe even the best since Calvin Johnson. So he's nails. You draft him if you can. Then after that, it becomes a question. I, I think I really like this tackle class, offensive tackle class. There's two guys in Olu Pashano from Penn State and Notre Dame Joe Alt that. They're surefire stud left tackles, and with David Bakhtiari's health, uh, you know, I think you pulled the trigger on a guy like that. Then after that, it really becomes kind of when you're in the top ten, I don't think you necessarily pigeonhole yourself into positions. You look for talent first and foremost because if you're drafting the top ten, chances are you have a lot of needs. Chances are there's not one guy who's going to be the difference to you know, changing around the course of your franchise. So I think that's the route they go. If they're really at the top, you look at the wide receiver, Marvin Harrison, you look at the OTs, but then after that, it's just wherever wherever you find the most talent because there still are other positions besides wide receiver on this roster that are issues. Uh, then I want to look around the rest of the National Football League. And when you start to talk about teams that are in contention, teams that are going to be vying for different spots in the draft and such, uh, I want to start with some of the teams that are starting to roll. And you got a big game coming up this weekend. you got Kansas City and Miami. Both of those teams right now seem to be vying for that top spot in the AFC. Who do you give an edge to there? Who's playing better in your eyes? I think Miami is. The only real question mark with them and why, you know, they look so bad against the Eagles a couple weeks ago is their offensive line. They're really beat up right now, but if Tron Armstead's back healthy, their left tackle, 
have to give the edge to them. Their offense is just so explosive. And honestly, the Chiefs have been winning games with their defense. This has been one of the best defenses in the NFL this year, but I don't care what defense you are. No one's slowing down this Dolphins team, right? Like every, they're putting up points on everybody, moving the ball on everyone. So uh, I think I have to give the edge to the Dolphins there because this Chiefs offense, they, they have the same problem that the Packers do, right? They have no wide receivers to make plays after the catch or, you know, at the catch point. So they're running into the, some of those same log jams that you get when you don't have, uh, you know, anyone to go to on the outside. Now they have Kelsey of the middle of the field, but those wide receivers just can't get open themselves. So uh, that offer is too inconsistent for me to buy into right now. I also wanted to ask you about the, the NFC because the NFC has been, uh, well, for lack of a better term, it's it's not as deep as everybody would like it because everybody's kind of averaging and there's a few people at the top. Now, what do we make of the three-game losing streak of the San Francisco 49ers? I think they have a big issue along their offensive line. And it's you saw it when they had to come back at the end of that Bengals game. It's if they, if, you know, the opposing team knows you're going to pass with the offensive line the 49ers have right now, they're going to get pressure every time. And so that's why they're you know, so good at the beginning of the game, so good with leads, is because then you can kind of protect your offensive line via play action, via you know, different things in the running game to get around that. But there's no fake in it when it's obvious passing situations and you're down two scores. So uh, that, to me, is the big issue there, is that defense kind of took a step back, and then your offensive line such that you can't dig yourself out of hole. So when you're looking at the rest of the NFC, like there's some good teams at the top of the NFC right now that uh, I do think the 49ers are kind of getting passed up. Uh, and then you've got the Philadelphia Eagles. And they're, I mean, they're, their team, obviously, they only have one loss in the season. They're very quietly just kind of going about their season. Nobody's raving about them the way they were last year. Do they just look off to where you don't have a real belief in them yet? Or is this team just uh, kind of just moving through their schedule and at the end of the year they're going to be there? Yeah, they're just – they're too complete, right? There's no holes on this team. So, basically, they can play a C game, and Jalen Hurts can look off, and they can have some drops, and then all of a sudden they still put up 30 points and still beat you just because there's so many different ways they can win. So, yeah, the Eagles, to me, are still the, the class of the NFC because you'll have to – again, you can't beat them with a B game. You, can only, you have to come in with an A game, but they can beat you with their B or C game, and that's what they played a lot of this year. They haven't looked perfect, but they're still 7-1, and one, and they still, any given week, can, uh, like I said, beat you with anything because they really have so much talent up and down that roster. Talking with Mike Renner, and uh, before I let you go, the one team that a lot of people are starting to talk about, that's Cincinnati because they have now won three straight and winning out there in San Francisco the way they did. Uh, they're starting to look over the fence and say, wait a minute, uh, don't count these guys out. I still think the Baltimore Ravens, are the team to beat in that division. But how dangerous is Cincinnati becoming? Yeah, they definitely – I'm with you, though. I think the Ravens are like – they're like the Eagles of the AST. There's really no weaknesses on that roster. I think they'll be there at the end of the season. But the Bengals, I mean, when Joe Burrow plays like he did on Sunday, I don't know who's beating him. You know, he, he didn't miss – he missed one throw in terms of inaccuracy in that entire game, 33 attempts. It was – it was special to watch. And now he's back from the cast. Like, he looks nimble. He's making more plays outside the pocket than even when he was healthy like a year ago without the cast. So, uh, with this defense being as good as it's been, you know, in the Lou Anarumo era there at D.C., they're going to make the playoffs. They're coming back. Like, it's the same story as last year. Write them off early. Oh, then end of the year they're back, you know, playing the AFC Championship game. So, yeah, with Joe Burrow and that receiving core, no one wants to play this team right now. Right. No doubt. Mike, good stuff as always, man. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you real soon, okay? 
For sure, Bill. Thanks for having me. Take it easy. Thanks, pal. There you go. That's Mike Renner. Mike's got a podcast now, and uh, you can catch his stuff there because he's got the locked-ons. And he's part of the Messenger. He's uh, also at Underdog Fantasy. He's the partner there as well. But uh, he's excited to announce, as he said, he's got the Locked On Network podcast. It's called Renner Ranks. Renner Ranks. And it's a, a daily podcast and part of the Locked On. And uh, he said he promises it won't suck. So there you go. Mike Renner joining us for a couple of minutes. Let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. We'll come back. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Everywhere you look, from groceries to utilities to gas, prices keep going up. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin can dramatically help lower your energy costs year-round by replacing drafty windows and doors in as little as six weeks. And now you can save even more by taking advantage of no interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Bring the love of Wisconsin's outdoors in through the beauty and quality craftsmanship of Pella Windows and Doors. Whether you're updating or upgrading the look and comfort of your home, Pella has extensive lines of customizable options to meet your needs and your budget. Replacing drafty windows and doors can dramatically lower your energy costs. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin offers some of the most energy efficient windows in the industry. 0% interest and no down payment for up to 36 months when you order by November 30th. Set your free in-home consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offer ends 11 2023. Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michael Show, we continue on. Hopefully you're enjoying uh, your afternoon. Although we're not quite to afternoon yet. Getting there, not quite. Uh, coming up here in a little bit, we're going to talk with uh, – start getting your fantasy football questions in. we got uh, Paul Charchi going to be joining us coming up here in just a few. So get your fantasy football questions in right now. And we'll try to get to all of them. As uh, we move on, but uh, start to get your fantasy football questions into us. We've got the charge coming up here in just a few. We'll talk with him about this upcoming weekend and uh, even tonight, for that matter, what's uh, what's upcoming on the docket. And we'll uh, get into the discussion as to, uh, you know, if you've got some choices to make either or, or one out of three, we can do all of that. So uh, tonight or today, I should say, get your uh, fantasy football questions in and we'll uh, get Paul Charchi in uh, to answer it for you. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Give us a shout, and uh, we uh, we hope we can answer your questions. I uh, got an email here. This is from Chris. Chris says, uh, hey, guys, uh, good thoughts regarding the quarterback position, but everybody keeps saying, uh, as he says, everybody keeps saying that uh, Jordan Love is not fully the problem. Then what's the problem, and what are they seeing that we are not? I, I, I really believe that Jordan Love has done some good things. I'm not discounting that. There are times that Jordan Love has has made good throws and really good reads, and it hasn't necessarily always been smooth because of 
will say the inexperience at the wide receiver position or or tight end. But when they look at it and they say, well, Jordan Love has not, you know, he's not all the problem. I agree with that. But you have to be 60, at least 60% or better in the National Football League to be quality. So there's times where you go, wow, that's a really good read, really good throw, uh, and it just didn't work out. Okay. But on the other hand, you can't do it one out of every two. You got to be consistent. This read has to be good. That ball placement has to be good. That place right there where you're going to lay the ball in the basket has to be good. You need a pass that's on the money. You need a pass that's on a laser. You need a pass that's got an arc. You know, all that has to be good at least 60% of the time. And right now they're not doing that. So, yes, I agree that Jordan Love is not all the problem, 110%. However, it doesn't absolve him from some of the things that have happened. Now, when it comes to knowledge of placement sometimes, knowledge of kind of the defense that's being thrown at you, look, we all knew there'd be some growing pains. Even he said it yesterday. We all knew there'd be some growing pains. But what I want to see more of is let it rip, put it in the spot where it's supposed to be, and if, it, if you get picked, you get picked. I mean, at this point in time, you want the evaluation to be of you, not just of you and the connections you make. Because if, it, if this is an underperforming, wide-receiving, two-year class, then you're not going to be that great anyway because the guys you're throwing to can't catch the football. Just be The quarterback needs to go out and be better and kind of let it rip and then let us evaluate the wide receivers more so than it is the quarterback plays. Does that make sense? Paul Charchian coming up. Stay tuned. The Charge is next to the Bill Michael Show.